As Dwayne mentioned, uh, today is Vision Sunday. I'm super excited about it. I love Vision Sunday, a time where we remind each other what we're about and what God is calling us to. Uh, the core value, as Dwayne mentioned, I'll be addressing this morning is uh, gospel-motivated mission, um, which is making Jesus famous in our community. Uh, that's the, the role we play in our community is people get to experience Jesus because of, a, because of us. If we're not the ones telling people about Jesus, who is? We're, we are the church. Um, there's a lot I could say about our core value, gospel-motivated missions. Uh, we could talk about evangelism tools. We could talk about strategies. We could talk about urgency, um, which are all things that we need to be talking about. But... This morning we're going to be unpacking the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism because I believe that sometimes in the midst of our evangelism attempts, we miss the importance of the Holy Spirit in those moments. So I was given a, a book a few months ago called uh, Bearded Gospel Men. I don't know why I was given that book, but uh, Steve Widmer gave it to me, so thanks Steve. Uh, but uh, just FYI, I, one thing I really love about our congregation is those great big beards that we have in our congregation. So you can look around if you want to. We got them in here. and I, These follicles of faithfulness just growing out of people's faces. It's wonderful. If you're around in November, you'll see uh, for No Shave November, beautiful beards just blossoming everywhere um, in our congregation. And it's just, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, so this Bearded Gospel Man book that I have, if you go to chapter 6, you read about uh, a man named Daniel Nash. Now Daniel was a pastor of a small church in, uh, in New York, the backwoods of New York, uh, about 2,000 people in his town. He died in 1831, and his tombstone is in a neglected cemetery. Uh, he, he didn't write any books. He didn't start any schools. He didn't lead any movements. Uh, generally, just kept out of sight. His church eventually decided they wanted a younger pastor uh, to be preaching, so they evicted him. And no one found much use for this 50-year-old pastor. But Charles Finney did. You know Charles Finney, the incredible evangelist. Uh, Charles asked Daniel to partner with him to barnstorm the nation for Jesus. Well, this is the strategy. Nash would slip into the town and to the community a few months before Finney would arrive. He would gather the local believers together and they would pray, passionately pray boldly for the community to be receptive to the gospel. That by the time that Finney showed up, the spirit was heavy at work and the community was primed for the gospel. Uh, today we call this the second great awakening. It's a powerful time in our nation where the gospel swept through, changing who we are. Uh, Nash and Finney partnered together in ministry for over seven years, and more than 100,000 people put their faith in Christ because of Finney's preaching and Nash's prayer. Now, Charles stopped preaching four months after Daniel died. He tried to do some more traveling, um, preaching, and evangelism, but uh, his attempts were not uh, uh, as near as receptive by people, and so he just quit, and he moved on to other life endeavors. Charles realized that without the power of a prayer ministry, evangelism is simply not effective. 
Which leads us to our topic this morning, the Holy Spirit's role in evangelism. It would be very ignorant of us to talk about our gospel-motivated mission core value without devoting time and attention to the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our mission. Because it is God who changes lives, not our uh, smooth words. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us, not our strategic plans. And our evangelism attempts do not save anybody. God saves through his spirit. Now we should be fluent with our words. Thanks to the ABF time, for those who are in there, thanks Kelsey for leading us through, helping us become fluent. And we should be fluent with our words. We should be strategic in our methods. And we should make big attempts to gospelize those around us. My point is that without the Holy Spirit at work, our attempts will always come up small and lack in effectiveness. Unless the Lord builds a house, the workers, they work in vain. When we recognize the role that the Holy Spirit plays in evangelism, two major things happen. One, our fears are gone. We no longer have to fear. Two, it teaches us the importance of prayer in evangelism. And as Fairlawn Church, if we, if we overcome our fears and we go out fearlessly and boldly with the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, having prayed and asked God to guide us, we will be mobilized into radical obedience to the call that God has given us to make Jesus famous in our community. That's why this sermon is important. Now, you'll notice on the slide here, though, is that there's a number of text with questions about the sermon. So I want you to get your phones out, have that number ready. Anytime that I say something that you're like, I don't get that. Can you unpack that more? Like, oh, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Just text that question in. I'll make a cute little video that we're going to put on Facebook trying to answer a few of those questions. Um, and it's, it's a great way to interact with the sermon. Uh, so, and that means don't judge your neighbor if they're texting on their phone. Don't assume that they're uh, asking about lunch plans. Assume that they're interacting with the sermon, all right? So text away, everybody. Um, fear. Fear is one of the major things that holds us back. Can I get a, a head nod if you agree with that? Fear really holds us back from sharing the gospel. Um, we put way too much pressure on ourselves. Uh, what am I going to say? What happens if things start going wrong in the conversation? Uh, what happens if they start mocking me? Uh, you know, I may lose friends. If people knew what I believed and I would tell them about what I believed, I might lose friends through that. And we end up not sharing the gospel because fear is holding us back. And so we make up reasons for why we don't need to share the gospel. A, a reason that I often hear a lot is, I don't have the gift of evangelism. How can I, how can I sh uh, share the gospel if I don't have the gift of evangelism? I've tried it. It went really bad. It was awkward. I never want to do it again because it's not my gift. Well, really, that's, that's bad log logic, and it doesn't work with any of the other gifts. Can you imagine someone saying, hey, I'd love to support this cause, this mission trip, this, this, uh, this great event that's happening, but I don't have the gift of generosity so I'd love to help you, but since I don't have that gift, there's no way I can give. Or, or you know, I, I'd love to help out in children's ministry. I really would, but, I, you know, I don't have the gift of service. So, Mom, that load of laundry over there, that mountain of dishes over here, you know, Mom, I'd love to help you, but I just don't have the gift of service. So I can't, I got to use my gifts. Can't, can't do it. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
uh, we are all called to share the gospel with those around us, whether we have the gift of evangelism or not. If you have the gift of evangelism, that's great. It's awesome. It just means that you're called to go above and beyond in evangelism and teach others how to do it too because you're gifted at it. But we're all called to share the gospel because there are people that only you can reach. Think about it. Your personality, the job you work, the gifts you have, the family you're in, the kind of people that you attract around you, there are people that only you can reach with the gospel. And God has you in those specific places and specific times for specific purposes with the gospel. So it's going to look different for everybody. Everyone sharing the gospel is going to look different. Don't, don't envy another way a, a person shares the gospel. Find your style, own it, and know that God's calling you where you're at with what you have to use it in a way to help people know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Christ's strategy was for all of us to be making disciples who make other disciples um, who make other disciples and who make other disciples. And this starts by introducing people to Jesus, which we call sharing the gospel. Jesus gathered his disciples around him at this climactic moment, and he said, guys, lean in, listen up. It comes down to this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Which means this comes from the top. This is what we've been working towards. He said, I want you guys to all go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. And I will be with you. That last line of the Great Commission is why this topic of the Holy Spirit needs to be covered every time we talk about evangelism. I will be with you. We don't do this mission alone. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to wonder, what am I going to say? What am, what's going to happen? Because I'm with you every step of the way. Which means you don't actually have to be good at sharing the gospel. You just got to be faithful. And God's going to guide you every step of the way through the Holy Spirit. The mission of disciple making, which begins with evangelism, we do not do alone or in, our, or in our own power. But God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us what is needed to gospelize those around us. Jesus told his disciples, it's better that I go. He said this in John 16, verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, this seems like a crazy statement. How could it be better for Jesus to go? I mean, doesn't Jesus make everything better? I remember uh, sharing the gospel with this guy who, uh, how do I say this, um, had a very high uh, admiration for alcohol. Uh, and so I remember sharing the gospel with him, and uh, I, I said that statement. I said, Jesus makes everything better. He's like, what do you mean Jesus makes everything better? I was like, well, there's this one time Jesus went to a wedding. And they ran out of alcohol. And I mean, he, he leaned forward. He was invested at this point in time. He's like, whoa, whoa, what happened? What happened? And he's like, well, Jesus just took some ordinary water and he made it into wine. It wasn't just any wine. It was like the best wine at the party. And his response was funny. <laughs> he was like, okay, one point for Jesus. <laughs> Uh, but doesn't Jesus make everything better? Uh, what could be better than Jesus? 
Why would it possibly be best for Jesus to leave? I'll tell you, because multiplication is better than addition. What's better than Jesus? How about this? Believers all over the world, led by the Holy Spirit, you know, the same power that Jesus had and was acting on now inside of all believers around the world? Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When Jesus was on earth, that was addition. One person making disciples. But when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came on the believers, each one of them started going and making other disciples who made other disciples who made other disciples and that's what we call multiplication and it's way more effective than addition. That's why everybody here this morning, every believer is called to make disciples. That's the plan Jesus set up. God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit to make disciples. So if you're a Christian and you're sitting here this morning, don't outsource that responsibility to your pastor. Don't outsource that responsibility to someone who has the gift of evangelism. Because you will be missing the mission God is calling you. And that is to make sure those around you know the gospel. And introduce them to Jesus Christ. And hopefully, when they decide to trust in Jesus, you start discipling them and walking along with them. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you all the way. That's why you were given the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do this on your own. I'm just going to be honest, one of the, my biggest fears when it comes to sharing the gospel is asking, being asked a hard question that I don't know how to answer. Um, I'm guessing it's my pride that, that brings that fear uh, so strong. So I'm scared that I'm going to be like in a conversation with somebody and we're going to be talking and I'm going to be on a roll unpacking the GOSBL and all of a sudden, boom, they're going to ask a question. I'm going to be like, I feel like an idiot. But it's been amazing to me on this journey. I'm not great at sharing the gospel, but I'm getting better. Um, but it's been amazing on this journey uh, how when that has happened, I've just seen the Holy Spirit step in time after time. Uh, I'll tell you a, a story here of Washington, D.C. We were in Washington, and uh, we had about an hour to kill. And so I was praying and saying, God, you know, give me someone to share the gospel with. I want, I want someone to share the gospel with. And uh, this happened about a year ago. And as I was walking past these three young people in their mid-20s, uh, my heart started pounding. I was like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. So I kind of turned around, and I engaged them in conversation. Uh, there were three people from the, the country of Turkey. And it was a girl and uh, two guys. And the girl and I kind of were having this conversation. The guys were just kind of listening in. And I was like, where are you from? They said, Turkey. I said, what are you doing here? They said, we're on vacation. And I was like, what do you believe in? They're like, we're Muslim. I'm like, tell me about it. It sounds fascinating. And so they explained their Muslim belief. And then when they were done, I was like, I'm a Christian. Can I share what I believe? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So I unpacked the GOSPL, walked them through the gospel. And at the end, I was like, what do you think? Does that make sense? And she was like, well, you, you believe what you believe because you've been taught that way. And I believe what I believe because I've been taught that way. So what difference does it really make? I was like, hard question, panic. I, I did, I panicked for a moment. I was like, ooh. I was like, all right, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me out. And I opened my mouth, and this is what came out. Well, are you happy? And as soon as it came out, I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, is that really the right question to ask? I would not have asked that question. This could go wrong quickly. I was like, are you happy? And she said, 
uh, no, I'm not. And immediately a light bulb came on. I saw what God was doing there, and I was like, well, I am happy. And I think that's a big difference, and I really think that should be considered. And I remember we, we closed the conversation up, and I remember we're just walking away and saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I had no idea what to say in that moment. Um, so what I would like to do now is I'd like to, to open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And I would like us to start at verse 25. And we're going to unpack the story of Philip and the eunuch to help us understand and see in Scripture how the Holy Spirit leads us and the role the Holy Spirit plays in evangelism. So get out your tablets, get out your phones, your Bibles. Acts chapter 8. Verse 25, and there's three things I want you to notice as we, uh, as we uh, work our way through this story. I want you to notice the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's leading, and evangelism all working together so that one man could hear the gospel and receive it. So Acts chapter 8, 25. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So this is Philip and his friends. They're out faithfully sharing the gospel. I'm sure they were praying for guidance. And then something crazy happened. They heard an angel's voice. This is verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So we see from the start here that one of the ways that God evangelizes the world is through extraordinary guidance. Now the reason I say one of the ways is because in Acts, the disciples are telling everyone, right, about Jesus. Um, you don't have to be told by an angel in order to share the gospel Honestly, and Dwayne mentioned this, honestly, all you need is, is a love for God and a love for people, and, and you'll be sharing the gospel. Um, a lot of times when we share the gospel with, with those around us, it, it feels pretty normal and routine, and that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not at work. Uh, I, we, we should constantly be feeling like urges and desires to share the gospel as the Holy Spirit's transforming us. Uh, we don't need a special, a special message from an angel in order to uh, for us to share the gospel with those around us. But the point of the story is that sometimes God, knowing all things, steps in with special guidance to lead us to a specific place to share the gospel. And we need to be ready for those moments and attentive to the Spirit. This is a great reminder that our planning is not the only way things get done in this world. God's extraordinary guidance plays a huge part in how we do evangelism. I know some of you guys know this story already, but for those who don't, when I think about extraordinary guidance, I think about me and Kelsey, Pastor Kelsey, in a little red car that we rented. Um, we asked for the cheapest rental possible so we can go to this pastor's conference, and we were driving in Belleville, PA, those windy, crazy roads, and it was pouring rain earlier that day in my Devo time. I had just been pouring my heart to God. There was several opportunities I had to share the gospel, and I just chickened out. And I was like, God, I'm sorry. I haven't shared the gospel in a long time. Um, if you give me somebody, 
I, I promise I'll be bold and I will share. And I was like, give me someone that I really want to share the gospel. So we're driving back, pouring rain from this pastor's conference. And all of a sudden, I hit a, I hit a pothole and boom, our tire blows. And we get out, look for a spare. There's no spare. It's pouring rain. Uh, we have no cell phone service. And we're just sitting there. We're like, what do we do? Uh, look across the road and there's this giant warehouse that you can like pull semi-trucks into. And we're like... Let's go check it out. Across the road to the warehouse. We get out, check the door. Uh, it's unlocked. We go in. There's lights on. And um, there's a couple of trucks pulled in. And we see some staircase, a staircase going up to some office rooms higher up in this warehouse. We're like, all right, let's go. So we go up the steps. And on the way up the steps, I remember turning to Kelsey. And I was like, this is going to be really good or we're going to die. <laughs> and... Kelsey just kind of nodded. So we, I go up to the glass on the door, put my, put my face on it. I see a, a dude sitting with his, well, in the dark, I see a shape of a dude sitting with his uh, feet on the desk. So I tapped on the door. He gets up, walks out. His name's Cody. He's 23 years old. And uh, Cody's like, what's the trouble? Um, Kelsey said, he blew our tire out. Um, and we said, can we pull it in? And he said, go ahead. So we pulled it in. We could not find a spare tire anywhere, but Cody told me where to stand to get one bar of cell phone service. So I'm standing at this one spot talking to the rental company to find out that they say, hey, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know where we're at. I'm like, Cody, where are we? He's like, you're in West Decatur, PA. That don't sound good. And the rental company was like, West Decatur, this is after like 20 minutes, like West Decatur, we found it, it's in the middle of nowhere. We're like, yep, they said it will be hours upon hours, like we don't know when we can get you a vehicle. Cody overheard the conversation, was like, hey man, there's a Walmart. I was like, there's a Walmart? He's like, yeah, he's like, 20 minutes away, but there's a Walmart, and they have your tire. I called him, he's like, I'll take you there if you want. I was like, wow, thanks. So, Kelsey and I had a quick little huddle, I was like, you stay with the car, make sure we don't get robbed. And I'm going to go with the white pickup and the stranger to uh, Walmart. So we jump in. As we start driving, immediately I knew what was going on. Holy Spirit just laid on my heart. This is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been asking God for. So, I, so we started, Cody and I started talking. I started asking questions about Wes the Kiter. And uh, I asked him, I said, Cody, is there, any, is there any good churches around? I wanted to change the conversation to something spiritual. And... Uh, he said, listen, man, I'm just going to lay it out for you. He's like, I don't go to church. I'm living with my girlfriend, and I really don't care about religious stuff. And I was like, wow. Inside, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. It can take three hours to get to that place in a conversation, and we're seven minutes into this drive, and he just lays it out for me. And so I, I, I pray real quick. I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit, give me some words here. And I was like, you know, Cody, uh, Jesus really wasn't crazy about all that religious stuff either. I said, I bet you and Jesus have a lot more in common than you think. He's like, really? He's like, he's like I'm like, yeah. And I walked him through the GOSPL, uh, was able to, to just have a great conversation back and forth of him asking questions about the gospel. Got to, got to Walmart, got the tire, drove back on the way back, started unpacking just some hard things that he'd been going through. Got back to the shop, he mounted the tire, balanced the tire, put it on for us, sent us out. We tried to pay, he's like, no. I won't let you pay. We're like, we're going to charge it to the rental company. Like, pay, we'll pay you as much as you, you, know, you want. And he's like, no. He's like, thanks for that conversation. He's like, I never had heard that before. Never had heard it. And uh, we're, we're still Facebook friends. We still, I'm, I'm constantly like, what can I pray for you now, Cody? And we're going back and forth. Um, 
But when I think about extraordinary guidance, this is crazy. Like, tire blows out, boom, right in front of his shop, right? I don't know Cody. There's no possible way I can know this guy. And Walmart has our tire, and it's 20 minutes away, so we have to spend 40 minutes in a vehicle together. And God just lining everything up. 18 times in the, just the book of Acts, we see this extraordinary leading of the Spirit that goes way beyond what man could possibly know. All right, verse 27 of our story. And he went and rose, or he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So we got this guy, this Ethiopian, this guy is powerful, he's rich, he's intimidating, and just happened to be coming back from Jerusalem and just happened to be reading the book of Isaiah. Now Philip doesn't know this, but the Spirit does. And so verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join that chariot. And Philip just does it. Fearlessly, because he was relying on the Spirit. He didn't ask, what for, or what am I going to say? And isn't this where a lot of us get hung up on? We ask more questions and do not receive any more answers. I mean, there's a great lesson here. How many times do you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit in a situation and you ask, well, why or, or what? But you don't receive anything, so you just move on because you're like, I didn't get enough information. And we miss that opportunity and really disobey the Spirit. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughterer, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. You talk about perfect timing. He was reading about Jesus. Uh, what a setup. I mean, what a divine appointment. And the scriptures were troubling the eunuch powerfully. They were troubling him. He, he says in verse 34, he says, um, About whom, I asked, does the prophet say this? About himself or about somebody else. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call a wide open door. <laughs> I mean, Philip's he's just sitting, he's like, tell me about it. Who is he talking about? I mean, this is this double door is wide open, the wind's blowing, there's a tiger chasing you. I mean, there's you can't help but just jump through these doors. Uh, and I love this next line, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. Again, Philip showing no sign of fear being led by the Holy Spirit, faithfully just opens his mouth. Now, Philip knew the gospel well, but he was trusting the Spirit to help him communicate in a way that connects with the eunuch. So verse 35, he opens his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Philip unpacks the gospel for him. And this is where we see these three elements working together. We see the spirit leading, we see scripture, and we see human evangelism all connected so that somebody could hear and understand the gospel. Verse 36. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? I'm guessing Philip is probably blown away at this point in time in the middle of his gospel conversation with this guy. He's like, hey, water, get me baptized. I want to right now publicly make a commitment to Christ. (laughs) He's like, what? This is crazy. Um, The Holy Spirit was obviously at work inside of the eunuch, which which brings us to our second thing the Holy Spirit does um, and the, the role the Holy Spirit plays in evangelism. Not only does the Spirit take away our fears, but also the Spirit softens the heart of those hearing and receiving the gospel. This is why intercessory prayer is an essential part of evangelism. That's why our strategy, our cause circle is prayer, care, and share. Because without intercessory prayer, we're missing Uh, the effectiveness of our evangelism because the Holy Spirit softens the heart uh, and opens eyes up to the gospel. That's why Daniel Nash played a game-changing role in the Second Great Awakening. And when we pray, we will see God move in the hearts of those receiving the gospel. I I want to tell you a story about a guy that I don't want to mention his name because he actually comes to church with us. He's actually a part of us here um, at Fairlawn, and I asked if I could share his story, and he said, okay, but he's like, it's really raw, and it's really new. Uh, could you not use my name? And I was like, all right, we're going to call you Bob. So Bob uh, was working at my mechanic shop when I took my car in, and I got to know him uh, and quickly learned that he was going through a really, really rough time. And I, uh, I said, Bob, I'd love to hear more of your story. Uh, could, you, uh, could we go out and get a, a bite to eat sometime? I'll take you out for a, for a lunch break. He said, sure. So um, Bob and I sat down together the next day over pizza, and he went on to explain uh, the tragedies of his life and the mess his life was in. And my heart really broke for him, and... Uh, I, I, fumbled, I fumbled after listening to him. I fumbled through the gospel. Honestly, didn't feel like I did a great job of sharing it. Um, but he said, I'm not really interested in church. I'm not really interested uh, in Jesus. He's like, I kind of had some bad experiences as a kid with that stuff. Just kind of want to stay away from it. And I just told Bob, I was like, listen, uh, I said, I don't think I've done a great job explaining what I believe, but look, I'll do this for you. Uh, I know you get off work at 5 o'clock. I'll give you Thursdays from 5.15 to 5.45. If you're willing to meet with me, I'd love to introduce you to uh, the real Jesus because I don't think your version is accurate at all. And honestly, I wouldn't want anything to do with that version of Jesus. But I walked away and I was like, man, I screwed that up. And uh, I just didn't feel like I did a great job. But the next day, I got a text from Bob saying, hey, let's meet up. I was like, he's like, why not? Let's do it. So he, uh, we started meeting. This happened in January. So from January we, uh, of this year, we started meeting together every Thursday. And I said, well, we're, we're going to do something that's real simple. We're just going to go through the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John was written for people who were having a hard time believing who Jesus was. We're going to start by just chapter one. I'll read a chapter. I'll do my best to explain it to you. And then I want to pray for you. And he's like, cool, let's do it. And in the process, after meeting week after week, we became really good friends. And in April, Bob said, uh, something weird is happening to me. I'm like, what? He's like, okay. 
He's like, I had two beers over the weekend and I suddenly just lost all desire to keep drinking. And that's not me at all. I'm like, okay. So we kept meeting. And inside I was like, yes, the Holy Spirit's starting to work. A couple weeks later when we were meeting together, he said, Keith, this is really, really weird. He's like, there's this girl I have a relationship with. And he's like, I just have been sensing that it's not good. It's not healthy what we're doing. It's not good relationship at all. And he's like, I broke it off. I'm like, yes, Holy Spirit's working. And uh, so I, again, just kept reading through chapter after chapter of the Gospel of John and just kept praying. I just pray as the Holy Spirit work in his life, help Bob to understand who you are. And, uh, and then towards the beginning of May, uh, Bob was like, Keith, this is so weird. I found myself praying. He's like, I don't pray. I found myself praying. I was like, yes, Holy Spirit's working. On May 31st, we weren't even in my office. I was helping him with a little project. Actually, he was helping me with a little project in his garage. And uh, May 31st, Bob made a commitment to Christ and said, this is my day. Uh, following up to that, after, at, at the beginning of May, I kept saying, like, Bob, when you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ, like, let me know. And uh, May 31st, he made that commitment. And, uh, man, it's, it's been awesome to see what God has been doing in his life. The Holy Spirit plays a huge role in helping someone to understand, opening their eyes up to the gospel, and softening their heart to the gospel. Let's continue on our story with Philip and the eunuch on verse 38. He commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as a totus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Philip, again, at the end of the story, just like at the beginning of the story, gives us this great example of just sharing the gospel as a regular part of life, just throwing seeds out. Anybody you can have a conversation with, throwing seeds out. And, and so as you share the gospel, the Holy Spirit is going to be guiding you. He's going to be leading you, sometimes in routine ways, giving you words to say in a moment, giving you boldness, uh, prompting you what to say. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to do something crazy and extraordinary and do something like go jump in that rich dude's Corvette and share the gospel with him. And you're going to be like, what? <laughs> and it's going to be something crazy that God is lining up for you. But the point is this. We do not share the gospel alone. The Holy Spirit is with us, giving us confidence. So go in that confidence giving you boldness. So go in that boldness with much prayer and listening because when we recognize the role that the Holy Spirit plays in evangelism, we don't have to fear anymore. We don't have to be good at this. We don't have to have magical words that we say. It takes away those fears. And also it teaches us the importance of prayer in evangelism. That we are praying for us that we would be bold and that God would give us the words to share, but also praying for the person receiving the gospel, that their hearts would be ready and open to knowing Jesus as their Savior. 
So I'm really praying that this sermon somehow helps us as a congregation, mobilizes us on our gospel-motivated mission, that mission that we value so much, we actually put it in our seven core values, that, that the community would know Jesus and that Jesus would be made famous in the community by us, owning the job that God has given us as the church. I want to pray for us. God, thanks so much for your spirit that guides us. Thank you so much uh, for this church. Thank you for all the gospel conversations that have been happening uh, in our community through the way that you guide us, the way you lead us, whether that's through routine ways of promptings and boldness and giving us words to say, or extraordinary ways where you're lining up all these crazy factors so that somebody can hear the gospel. God, I pray for everyone sitting here for faithfulness, that when they have the opportunity to share that they would not step away from it, but they would boldly move towards it, knowing that you are with them every step of the way and will give them what they need at that time. You're so good. In your name we pray. Amen.